Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit podcast, the POD cast, the podcast, if you want to call it that and be very confusing. It is our very special draft 2019 blowout episode. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the managing editor over at Pride of Detroit. We have a very, very special episode today. We are going three full segments on the NFL draft. No mailbag, three different guests. It's going to be a blast. And with me, as always, as almost always, Ryan Matthews, the rock god. Black is the motherfucking rock god. At Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan, how are we doing today? It's gray and gloomy in southeastern Michigan, but it's going to be sunny days on the podcast today. Oh, it is. It is. I'm very excited about this episode because I think every year we try to get in the, the best and brightest minds about the uh, the NFL draft because you know our our voices can grow a little stale here. And I'm I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not the best draft guru there is, and we've got three of them this episode. And we decided the best format is to have them. We're we're holding them in three separate rooms because we don't want their opinions to overlap. We don't want them. You know, it's kind of like uh, a a police investigation. We don't want them. You know, mixing each other's stories up. So the yeah. first person, yes. Something so, like that. Yeah. <laughs> or I was, yeah. was going to say, you want to keep wild animals in their cages and you need to keep them separated. <laughs> yes, exactly. We, we, we don't want any sort of inner fighting. Um, you know, we, we want them to hear what the others are saying about them all at once when we release the podcast this week. <laughs> so the first, the first person we're letting out of the cage, so to speak, Kentley Platty, the, the father of Raz or R-A-S or however you want to pronounce it. Uh, Ken, how are we doing today? Great, man. How are you? Good, good, man. Um, he's at MathBomb on Twitter. Hopefully you already know that. If you don't, I highly recommend to follow. Um, but Ken, we're going to kind of just run through kind of like a police investigation. We're going to run through the same questions with all three of you guys, see where there's some overlap, see where there's some disagreement. Um, you know, we'll, we'll put the lamp right in your face and, and put the pressure on you. But I think the first way I want to start this off is is Really simply, what is your ideal scenario for the Detroit Lions in this 2019 NFL draft? And you can take it all seven rounds. You can go maybe the first couple rounds, however you want that question answered. Who's your ideal picks? And, and tell me why. I think we're looking at ideal picks. The Lions need to pick up an impact defender in the first round. So we're talking somebody on the defensive line, either Montez Sweat or Brian Burns. Anybody that has an immediate impact for the pass rush would be the ideal first round pick. A second and third round, they have to have some combination of a tight end, a guard, or a corner. Uh, if they get two of those three in those two rounds, that would be ideal. Uh, after that, they need to shore up de- uh, depth on the offensive line, depth on the defensive line, and depth in the linebacking core, uh, and the deep secondary, the safeties, for the rest of the draft. And they have to get a quarterback. I know we have, you know, Savage, Hook, but uh, that's – not inspiring a whole lot of confidence. So I guess nabbing a quarterback at some point would be good too. That's, that's kind of a large checklist there. Uh, <laughs> do you think it's, it's realistic for the lines to be able to, to knock out all those in, in one draft? They got a bunch of picks. They, they do. They got some ammo. Okay. Okay. Well, let, let's get a little more specific then. Let, let's narrow it down to the first round. Who, who is your ideal pick there at number eight? That's, that's also a realistic option. So I've went back and forth on it uh, between Brian Burns and Montez Sweat. 
Uh, when I did the community mock, I did Montez Sweat. I think he's in, he's a fit for what Matt Patricia is looking for. Uh, but the Lions have also been one of those real conservative teams when it comes to injuries and medical conditions. And with that heart, mm-hmm. that heart murmur that he supposedly has, I think they might be one of the teams that take him off their board. Uh, but he would be an ideal fit in this defense. Uh, outside of him, Brian Burns, man, let's get some spin move in here. And let's, let's, let's watch him light some people up. I'm for it, man. I'm here for it. Do you think, Kent, that it would be that it would behoove the Lions to take Sweat off their board when just last year Oakland was able to get Maurice Hurst, who maybe not, you know, a, a different heart condition entirely, but after maybe Lions fans felt a little bit spurned by that just because he was a local hometown guy, do you think that it'd be wise for the Lions to take him off boards when it seems like Maurice Hurst is doing just fine? Can't Montez Sweat be the, can't, you know, can't he be a similar uh, case study? I, I think it would be wise for them to, to keep him on their board. His condition isn't the same, like you said. Hurst wasn't even allowed to work out until he got second opinion and had to, he had to wait before he could even run, before they wouldn't allow him to do any physical activity. Uh, Sweat was doing was breaking the 40-yard dash record for pass rushers like that day. So we, we know that his condition isn't as severe, whatever it is. Um, but I think the Lions should at least consider it. But you, you did bring up a good point, though, about how they did pass on Hurst. We know that they paid a lot of attention to his tape. We know that they met with him, and they still passed on him until later in the draft. So we know that, at, at least on some level, that they had some concerns about that type of thing. All right, so let's say the, your ideal scenario happens. The, the Lions get Montez Sweat there in the first round. Tell us what kind of impact he has on in year one. What position does he play? Who does he kind of push out of a position? Um, how are the Lions going to use him? Is it, is it all over the place? Is it in one specific position? Where, where do you see him fitting in in this Lions defense? I think it's going to be a lot like how they use Ziggy Ansah, right? So, mm-hmm. so uh, Trey Flowers is going to be there causing pressure on one side and taking advantage of the matchups. But you still have to have somebody pass rush from the other side. Uh, we know that Okwara and Kennard both had decent uh, sack stats last year, but really poor pressure. And they both had, I think it was like second and third worst pass rush grades in the NFL or something. My pro football focus it was really, really low in the NFL as a whole, even though they put up some decent sack numbers. Throw in a guy who can run, you know, under a four or five and at, at his size and you know, massive arm length. I mean, he's, he's got everything that you need from an outside pass rusher, from an athletic standpoint, from a physical standpoint. So he'll just be sitting on the other side of flowers, trying to do the exact same thing, trying to take advantage of some of those matchups. You know, you have snacks Harrison on the inside, eating up space uh, and Ashawn Robinson doing the same and Trey flowers doing some damage on the other side. Somebody's going to get home. And if you throw in the fastest pass rusher ever, I think you've got a good chance to get home some. Can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. That seems that seems definitely like an ideal scenario, especially for a team that really struggled to get pressure last year. I mean, they've already obviously added Trey Flowers, but adding Montez Sweat to that group just seems like I mean, you you're you're automatically in the conversation of having one of the best defensive fronts in the league, are you not? I think it, I think if you push him into that consideration, you've got one guy that gets a ton of pressure. You've got the best run defender of the past decade sitting in the middle. Uh, you've got other guys like Ashawn Robinson and, and uh, Deshaun Hand who both cause, cause damage in the middle, and then you throw in somebody like Sweat on the outside who can take advantage of all those matchups, then yeah, I, I think it could push the Lions right into that consideration. Jeremy, you want to hit him with another question? Yeah, let, let's go into not what your opinion is, but what you think the Lions are going to do. What, what do you think? Let, let's start with the first round again. Who do you think the Lions are going to take in the first round? Now, who do you want? Who do you think they're going to take? I think they're taking Jonah Williams. I don't okay. think they're going to take him eighth overall. I think they're going to try to trade down probably with the Falcons. We know that they've had talks already and that they've, they've at least explored the opportunity of a trade down with them. I think if Ed Oliver is still sitting there at eight, the Lions trade down uh, with the Falcons to whatever it is, 14, and they take Jonah Williams to play guard and then potentially play left tackle after that. And... If if my my memory on Twitter serves me correctly, this is not something that you'd be very excited about. Is that right? That is. It's a very boring. It's a very boring pick taking mm-hmm. a pick like Jonah Williams. Jonah Williams is he's he gets a lot of hype because he's the top tackle in this class. But this isn't a very strong tackle class. It's 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 got a lot of guys who will start in the league. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get drafted really high because they'll start in the league. But if you're the top guy and you're not blowing me away on tape, if I'm not watching you on tape and just like, oh my God, this guy is, is, is lighting people up, 
Laramie Tunstall a couple of years ago, every time you watched him, he was burying people. He was making you regret having, wa- having watched tape of those other defenders earlier because you're like, I got to mark them. Do I, do I mark them down for that? Because they're getting destroyed by this guy. It's hard to, to knock a guy down where they're getting beat by somebody who's just clearly better. I never got that impression watching Jonah Williams. It's good tape. He's technically sound. That's, that's part of the reason that he's going to be liked by uh, Matt Patricia. But he's just not a very exciting pick. His athletic profile doesn't, doesn't translate to success very often. People still make so much of a big deal about his arm length, and, and it does not matter. Arm length does not matter unless it's, like, obscene, unless they're, like, 30 inches. It, it doesn't matter. But they make it out like that's the big problem. You know, he, he wins with his athletic ability, but his athletic ability isn't all that impressive. So it, it's just not a pick that I think is going to have long-term dividends. I think you're going to be looking at him in a couple of years the same way we did with Riley Reef, who's a very similar player with very similar concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy that you're like, do we move him to guard? If we keep him at tackle, are we always going to sit here and go, God, you know, maybe he'd be a better guard. Well, he hasn't really played guard. And if we move him to guard, we're not only moving him, we're moving him to the other side. So he's playing on the opposite side and at a position he hasn't really played before. And he's expressed reservations about moving inside. So I just don't think it's a great pick that high in the draft for the Lions. It sounds like you're a little less than enthused about the pick if they do go with Jonah Williams, what you think the Lions will do. And I know you just talked about the similarities that coincide with Riley Reef and you know switching him from one side of the line to the other and whether or not you could play interior line. With Jonah Williams... The arm length, you mentioned like it shouldn't be as big of a concern as it is, but if at the next level the expectation is that he might have some positional versatility and he could play tackle, does the arm length then become an issue, or is it just when he's playing along the interior like it's not as much of an issue as people are making it out to be? I don't think it's that big of a deal on the outside either. Like I said, arm length only ever really matters to me when I'm evaluating a prospect if it's in the extreme. If you have a guy who has really, really long arms, that's probably a, a, a benefit, right? Those are guys like Montez Sweat I mentioned earlier. Montez Sweat is the fastest pass rusher ever, and he's got ridiculously long arms. That's important because you can you use that length to help bring down tacklers, give you a wider range. If you're trying to create distance between yourself and the tackle around the edge, that helps because it's, it's length. It's just physics, you know, the distance, so it's easy. But he's got 33 inch arms he's fine i don't know why people make it out like it's a big concern it's not yeah jonah williams has obviously become a a very popular topic in the past week or two i think uh he's on what daniel jeremiah's latest mock draft and i I see some people even talking about it today you know a couple days later and it's interesting because i I see some some thing some saying that you know he comes in might be your, your right guard starter in, in 2019. Then I see a lot of people talking about maybe the team moving on from Taylor Decker, and maybe that's what this move is, is predicated upon. Maybe maybe they trade. I, I, we're going to talk to Brett Whitefield about this because he threw it out there. Maybe the Lions trade Taylor Decker this year, and he becomes a left tackle immediately, which would be an interesting scenario. But you know, Decker is potentially entering the final year of his contract this year if they don't give him a fifth-year option. Um, th- there's just a lot of options. So Jonah Williams is, is definitely an intriguing scenario. And the fact that you think this is where the Lions actually go um, could make draft day a very, very interesting experience for Lions fans because I think a lot of people are with you, Kent. Not a big fan of that move. I'm somewhere in the middle. I do always love adding to offensive line because I think it's one of the most important positions on the team. But I'm also with you that it's not a very exciting pick. But if it comes at least with the trade down, I think maybe that makes it a little more palatable for me. Yeah, I mean, if we trade out of eight and there's fewer elite defenders there, you know, by the time we get down to, as I said, like 14, you know, you're going to be looking at Montez Sweat's likely gone. Brian Burns is likely gone. We already know Josh Allen, Nick Bosa, Quinn Williams, they're already gone. Uh, Ed Oliver's probably gone at that point. If we trade down, especially with the Falcons, he's certainly gone. There aren't as many elite defenders when you get down there. So you start looking at, well, do I want to look at getting an offensive lineman? Uh, the, the problem with that, with, with Jonah Williams, is that once you get further down into that first round, there's some better interior options there. Because <laughs> the, the main spot of concern for the Lions is, is the right guard right now. But the further down in that round, that round you get, the closer you get to guys like Garrett Bradbury and Chris Lindstrom being legitimate options. So I, I'm not sure. Any, there, I, feel, I feel like there has to be some kind of sweet spot where you're like, okay, this is probably where I'm okay with him, but it's still too early for those other guys. Do you think that 
and, and just to kind of wrap up this talk about Joan Williams, I think, and then we can jump off to something else. But do you think that with the the problem that the Lions may run themselves into at left tackle with Taylor Decker, maybe not being the long term option because he is going into his fourth year, he will have like a you know he will have the fifth year option on his contract. Do you think that? I personally don't think that Taylor Decker's played up to the level of money that I think he's probably going to try to command or that he's going to want. Do you think that a Jonah Williams pick would be a way that the Lions could shore up a a, a fix this season on the interior and then have him be a viable option to to play maybe Taylor Decker's position if if the two sides can't reach an agreement? I think that's a possibility. Uh, I I don't I don't like the idea of drafting a need that you may have next yeah. year that that isn't really that big of a need. Like, has Taylor Decker played poorly enough that you can say, "Hey, let's let's move on from him right now"? I would argue no. Uh, the Lions had that same situation with Riley Reef, who we were just talking about. Where <laughs> did they really need to move on, from Riley Reef? Probably not. I mean, it it helped to. To draft somebody to that that they felt would would improve the team more, but you're creating a need to fill a need, and with the, as much talent as there is in this draft, I don't think that that's really ideal. All right, let's uh let's move on to the later rounds of the draft because past couple of weeks we haven't really touched much on you know the day two day three picks. Um, can you just throw out some of your favorite mid to late round prospects in this draft class, guys that you think would be great fits in Detroit, and you're you're hoping get their name called by by the lines on uh, on next weekend. Sure. And he's starting to become less and less of a sleeper. I was kind of hoping that he would consistently stay in that third round talk or third round, third day talk where the lions could pick him up in the fourth. Uh, but CNA Takitaki out of BYU besides mm-hmm. being an instant name bracket. Contender, <laughs> yep. Uh, and I did learn how to say his name. Thank God for the pronunciation guy that gets released every year. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, he's, he's, he's a good linebacker. He's fast. He's instinctive. Uh, he's not the best in coverage. There are some wrinkles that he needs to work out. Uh, but he's a team leader. He used to have a bunch of character issues, which I was hoping was going to keep him kind of in that later round. Uh, but he had a rough upbringing. He had a rough start to his career at BYU. Uh, he was eventually uh, released from the team um, because of those issues. He found himself a woman, got got married, and turned his life around, uh, was accepted back by his teammates and his team. He fought his way back onto the team and was a leader of the team by the time that he left. Uh, I really like him as a player. I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, I, I use the, the Bobby Wagner comparison as a, you know, this isn't who he is, but this is who he could be. Um, but I think he's going to be a, a force in the league for years if, if a team picks him up that he fits on, and he fits here. So he's a guy that I really want the Lions to look into. Uh, there's another two linebackers that also have great names, and Thankfully, their names also begin with T, so it's they're right next to each other on the pronunciation guide, so I don't screw it up. <laughs> but uh, Josiah, oh, this is hard even with the pronunciation guide. Uh, Toefa, Josiah Toefa from uh, UTSA. Uh, I'm used to live in San Antonio. I love UTSA. I went to their inaugural games, uh, so it's a team that I've followed really closely. Uh, he's a good linebacker. He doesn't have a lot of athletic traits that that make you, you know, wow. But I think he could be a Josh Bynes type of player where he sticks in the league and he's consistently playing at least good. Uh, So he's a guy I would like the Lions to look into. And and that's going against the grain for me from an athletic standpoint. You guys know I love I love good metrics. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's one that I think they should pay attention to. Uh, Another one I've talked about Kahale Waring about a million times. Uh, He drops the football way too often. So Lions fans would probably hate that. (laughs) <laughs> but he has one of the best athletic profiles in this draft. Uh, I think the the drop footballs are less uh, they're less a hands problem and more just an experience problem. He comes from a water polo background, so he isn't he isn't coming into football as being a straight up football player. He got some uh, Jimmy Graham comparisons because of that, because Jimmy Graham, of course, played basketball, didn't really play football, and then became one of the better players in the NFL. Graham also had drop issues. With Warren, it's the same way, but he can block. So it's it's like if if raw, untrained Jimmy Graham could block, you've got a little bit a little bit something better to work with there. Um, I know I'm not comparing sure. somebody. Hmm? I was just gonna say I'm not sure how interested Bob Quinn will be taking in a, a former polo water polo player. He seems a little more interested <laughs> in the uh, the the rugby type, right? If we know anything about the Patriots, 
<laughs> hey, anybody that plays a different, uh, a multiple sports, right? You can, you can translate all that stuff over. Um, another guy that I've mentioned before, another tight end is Drew Sample. I know the Lions are on him. I know that they like him. I think he's going to get drafted earlier than he's currently projected, which is early day three. I think he sneaks into that, that day two. I think the Lions are one of the teams that are going to leap on him early. Uh, he doesn't have as much potential in the passing game. He isn't as refined of a route runner as a receiver. Uh, he got dinged for his his kind of average athletic traits. But what's funny about it is that he's above average in everything. There's there's nothing that he's below average in. Um, but he doesn't have any real elite standout traits. Uh, he benched out of, out of this world. But he's that's no surprise if you watched him play because he's the best blocker in this class from a tight end standpoint. Uh, the only blocker I can recall, just, just from blocking, so I'm not talking about level as a prospect, uh, but the only blocker at tight end that I can recall being better than Sample was Kelsey. Um, I think he's a better blocker right now than Kittle was when he came out, George Kittle, uh, but he doesn't have the same level of athletic ability, doesn't have the same threat as a, as a, as a receiver. But um, from pure blocking ability, the guy just destroys people. He makes people regret having had to line up against that specific tight end on that day. Um, so he's a lot of fun and I think the lions are going to like him. And I think lions fans would like him once they see him putting people in the dirt. Yeah. And that certainly seems like something that would fit what they're trying to do on offense. All right. We're running up against it here. One last question. Let's try to make it real, real quick. Worst case scenario on draft day for the Detroit lions. Go. Worst case scenario on draft day for the whole draft or just first round, whatever. Let's just say first round. If, if we didn't say just first round, it's DeAndre Baker. The Lions go cornerback, and they decide to go with a small, unathletic guy. That's the worst case scenario. I would, I would throw myself out of a window if that happened. That's not good because we're going to be on the second floor of a B Dubs just to plug our draft day party again. There you go. It's even, it's even worse because I'll survive. It'll just hurt a lot. <laughs> but there will be, wing, there will be wings and beer to make you feel better. <laughs> Do that. Uh, but right. the same thing with the Lions. I, they'll they'll survive if they do that, but it's going to hurt a lot. It's going to hurt a lot. Ken, thank you so much for joining us at MathBomb on Twitter. And if you're coming to our draft party, you can go and say hi to him uh, on Thursday at Buffalo Wild Wings, downtown Detroit. Doors open at 7 p.m. Draft is obviously at 8. Uh, go have yourself some wings and beer with Ken because he's a great guy. Ken, thanks again for joining us. All right, guys. Have a good one. You, you too, too Ken. Thanks. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we are back on the Pride of Detroit podcast, our draft special 2019. I just realized in the first segment, I didn't even tease our second two guests or our second and third guests. So we're just kind of kind of going to keep it a secret. You don't know who's coming up in our third <laughs> segment. But next in our uh, interview room, let's say it, is our good friend, Brett Whitefield from Pro Football Focus. Brett, how are you doing? I don't know, man. I'm stressed out. You're stressed out? This is supposed to be the, the <laughs> most exciting time of year for Lions fans. I, I need the draft to just get here and get over with. Like, I'm losing my mind. Twitter's like legit stressing me out right now. <laughs> That's uh, at pff underscore brett on twitter if you want to annoy him a little bit more (laughs) but uh (laughs) now we're gonna let him annoy us and we're gonna get his takes on on the draft and we're kind of gonna ask you the same questions we asked kent um we didn't want you two in the same room because uh we've we've seen what happens 
<laughs> just kidding. You guys love each other. I know it all comes from a place of love. But uh, let's let's talk first round. Let's talk about what you want to happen in this draft. If you're the Lions general manager, who do you want them taking in these first couple of rounds of this draft? Who do you think is an ideal fit? Give me it all. Well, so you know, for just being like ultimate optimists, I would love Quinn and Bosa or Josh Allen. Sure. Let, let's Probably not going to happen. Yeah, let, yeah. Let's, let's go realism. And I, also, you can't mention Kyler Murray. Okay, I won't mention Kyler Murray for okay. the sake of I don't want to destroy your show. <laughs> but there, I think there is a legit pathway for Allen to be there at eight. I just doubt. I don't think it will happen. But there is a couple different scenarios. You know, if you get an offensive lineman and a couple quarterbacks, and maybe somebody takes a gamble on one of the athletic freaks like Gary or Sweat and Oliver. I think there's a way Allen could be there, but. For the sake of realism, let's just pretend like he's not. Um, I've got my list down to like three or four guys I kind of think I really want if they stay at eight. Right. So um, I'm a big greedy Williams truther. I love his ability wow. in press man coverage. Okay. So I, I would be totally comfortable with him at eight. Now you've heard all of the the things about you know him not being a willing tackler and and that kind of shying the lines away. I'm not sure whether that's true or not, but I know that that's who I really like. Okay. Interesting. Um, he, yeah. so he's, he's your CB one. Yeah, he is my CB one for the Lions. I, okay. I mean, Murphy, I think is a is a better player overall. But um, you know, I'm just not sure with with Coleman here and his presence. I'm not sure Murphy um, would be a great fit because I think he's probably best suited in the slot. Okay. Okay. Give me give me your number two option here. So number two option would be uh, Brian Burns. Um, I I love his ability to. I mean, he's he's the most refined pass rusher in this draft. I feel like everybody agrees on that too, which is kind of funny. Yeah, maybe everybody except like Matt Miller, but it's a different <laughs> story. But yeah, he's just his move set is just incredible. If you need a guy to win on the outside consistently, that's the guy. Um, he does. He has some room to grow too. He's not super strong. He can get a little bit better with his play strength and and some inside counters and stuff like that. But uh, I think if you really want. I think he'd be a great blend with Flowers, playing more of that Jack linebacker role, um, or you know, Flowers more of a power rusher. Burns gives you that speed and freaky athleticism off the edge that I think would would go really, really well in, in Patricia's system. Does so, that? Does that? Kick, oh, sorry. Uh, does that essentially just kick Kennard off the roster then, or uh, obviously not off the roster, but out of a starting position? Yeah, I mean, I I've kind of been a bit a big advocate for them replacing him this offseason as a as a starter. I like Kennard's ability to like stay fresh, like he can play eighty snaps in a game and not get tired. There's there's like it's a weird value, but there is some value in that. Yeah. Um, but I you know I think Kennard is a he'd be a really good backup there. They can still play him. You know, Burns isn't a guy. Maybe you don't want to play you know, more than 40 snaps a game. So you can still play Kennard in that spot. You can play Kennard at off the ball linebacker. Even I think he'd be fine in Christian Jones system. If they want to keep like a, a big, not very athletic guy at off the ball linebacker, I think Kennard could back up that spot as well. So Kennard still has value for this year. I just, I'd, I'd prefer to replace him with a really good pass rusher. So what about, what about when the Lions get to day two? Like if the Lions are able to address either, either of the positions that you just talked about, cornerback, edge rusher, shoring up. Obviously, the defense, it seems like a lot of people want the Lions to go that route with their first pick. On day two, mm-hmm. do you think the Lions are, are continuing, continuing to address that, or do they maybe dip into the tight end depth? Or what do you want them to do on day two? Yeah, so if just for argument's sake, they go edge or corner or whatever at, um, with that first pick, I think they you know, the presser with Quinn saying they need playmakers. I think he's a hundred percent right about that. And I look, I'm looking at three other positions there. I'm looking at wide receiver. I'm looking at, um, corner and I'm looking at edge. So I'd be willing to double dip at either of those edge or corner spots. If the, if the right guy is there, all three of those positions are super deep in the, from the standpoint of they can find a guy there on day two that I think really, really will still be good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm looking for the second round pick. If they go defense, I would be totally cool with a wide receiver. I'm not really in on tight ends unless, um, you know, for whatever reason, Hawkinson or Fant are there. And I even have some questions on Fant myself. So um, I'm not like, I'm not in love with, I really thought this tight end class was going to be good. And I've kind of just been a little bit disappointed, to be honest with you. Interesting. All right. So who are, who are some names out there? 
for for wide receiver that you're looking at at round two? So basically, I love like that top tier of guys because there's not really like a consensus number one. I think a lot of people would say Metcalf. Yep. So even if you go after him, you have Akeem Butler, AJ Brown, Marquise Brown, Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. I, like I like all those guys, and one of those guys is bound to be there. And I think you can make an argument that I any of them have a utility in in this offense. Um, I really like Marquise Brown. I know the Liz Frank injury um, is scary. Like he was my wide receiver one before that happened. Um, so, or at least before we knew about it. So I'm not sure that you want to gamble on him at that spot. I'd probably be okay with it, but um, you know, like if an AJ Brown happened to be there, that'd be wonderful. Uh, Hakeem Butler, JJ Arcega, Whiteside, Debo Samuel. I think Debo probably has the most um, utility with this offense for right now. Um, you know, fantastic route runner, guy who can win in the short areas, replace some of that production they lost with Golden Tate. Um, departure. I know they have Amandola, but that's just a kind of like a one-year culture stopgap. So, all right, let's uh, let's move on to what you think is going to happen because last year you you kind of called it with a uh, carry on Johnson. Not, I'm not expecting you to hit on all your thing, and I don't want you to give up any sources if you have any sources on what's going to happen. But intuition, intuitionally speaking, what do you think the Lions do on on the first day or two of the draft? Yeah, let me give you a slight correction too. I didn't just hit on carry on between yours and the locked on lions podcast. I actually hit on Frank carry on and Deshaun hand. Okay. So well then everyone <laughs> lean in a little bit closer to your podcast. Open up ears a little more. Cause Brett's about to tell us who they're going to take in the first four rounds now. Yeah. So now be prepared to be disappointed. <laughs> I was going to say you can take Thursday and Friday off from the draft. Brett's just going to fill you in You can <laughs> in on Saturday. All right. So, um, what I think, I mean, it's really hard because this is the first year they're like actually in a position to possibly move out of that pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Quinn is right in stating he doesn't have the ammo to come up for a guy. Yeah. So let's say that's off the table. But I, I do think there's a like a really good chance that board plays out in their favor to where they can move down. It's hard, like Quinn. You never know if what he's saying is really what he's thinking. Uh, right. I know he specifically mentioned there being a lot of defenders in this class that are like sure, like they don't meet the length and size thresholds, but the tape checks out. Right. So does that mean they're targeting a guy like Ed Oliver? Ed Oliver or, yeah, that's the first guy that came to mind when he said it. Yeah, there's a bunch actually, like Murphy, yeah. Oliver, Bush, Winovich. All those guys are kind of like you know not your prototype size players. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Oliver's the obvious one for for at eight. So is, is that a smokescreen to try to get someone to come up for him? Like I don't really know. So, um, but I think basically with Patricia, the guy in charge now, I, I really feel like Quinn is going to want to give him a guy. You know, mm-hmm. you just pick a guy that you want on your defense, and you're going to build help build around. And um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if if that was a a defensive end or a corner. So I think if I had to guess right now, if they stayed at eight, I think they probably, uh, this is hard, man. This is the hardest year ever. It it does feel it, especially hard. And and just like looking through your timeline too, it kind of seems like you're okay with a lot of players too. Yeah, I am. I, especially, I, I kind of have a theory like, you know, draft Twitter is not representative of how GMs assign their boards. So, right. If if they had like if they had Chase Winovich as their for their scheme the second best edge in this class and they took him at eight I wouldn't cry about it I know Detroit fans would be miserable yeah. thinking they lost out on all this value but I'm like I could see it I understand why they took him and I would love it um, there's a lot of guys like that I feel that way about it. I don't think like outside of those top four guys we already mentioned like this draft is wide open I feel like anything could happen from like picks five through forty and it just it it would all make sense and it would all not make sense at the same time. So it's hard. I, I think Oliver's got to be like the favorite. I just don't see a way. I just don't see a path to playing time for him. And and I'm not a fan of Oliver myself. So yeah, you you've talked to me a little bit. You, you think he's kind of unrefined at this point, and and at least in terms of his technique. Yeah, big time unrefined. And he's also he wasn't very productive in college, which which is scary. Even when you, I know a lot of people use like the, the scheme issues as like a, an excuse for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even when, like in our, our system, when you remove those, those, you know, nose tackle reps where he's rushing the passer and um, he's still like, if you group that top tier of interior guys, he's still at the bottom of that tier, like all like top eight guys, you know, 
even with removing those those scheme issues. So I'm not sure. Um, I just don't see the, the athletic upside's huge. I just don't see the you know application to how he fits in the Lions defense right now, or even in the future with with a guy like Deshaun Hand on the roster. It's kind of like a swerve, and I, we didn't really talk to Kent about this at all. But and and we know that Bob Quinn said he doesn't really have the ammunition to move up. But I'm not sure how high you are on Josh Allen, but I think that he would probably be like an ideal guy for the Lions at eight. If he's available at, if he's available after pick five, like to move up to six, do you think that Bob Quinn would be, would be hard pressed to not make a move like that? Because from, from what I'm hearing, you're saying Quinn probably wants to get Patricia a guy. And it seems like Josh Allen could be a guy that you could build a defense around. Yeah, I there's not another team in the NFL that I think Josh Allen fits better with than the Lions. Mm. So like I'm I'm totally like an analytics guy in the standpoint of you need to collect as many picks as possible. We are if there's yeah, if there's any especially those top 100 picks, like if you can get a bunch of second, third, fourth round picks, that's like that's totally my headspace. But if you're going to tell me that they can trade up to 6 to grab a guy like Josh Allen, I think he really completes this defense, like makes his defense legitimately really, really good. Um, everything that he does fits into to Patricia's system. And he, he's a little bit raw as a pass rusher himself. But if you look at his ability as a, a coverage defender as well, like that's super underrated. And, and like uh, he, replacing Devin Kennard, who he dropped back into coverage on like 84 snaps or something last year. Um, and they probably would do that more if he was better at it. I like Allen gives you 84 really good coverage snaps as all, you know, on top of being a really good pass rusher. Yeah. So I, I would probably sign off on that to be honest with you, Ryan. I think, I think Allen is the, if they're going to trade up for a guy, he is the guy. All right. Uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to throw out a couple more names in the second and third round, just to see if you can run the table again, just, just quickly okay. throw out. So some guys, maybe second, third, maybe even fourth, if you got a guy. Yeah. So at corner, I, I like, like this corner class at the top is like really good. So David Long is one of my favorites from Michigan. Uh, I think he would fit this system really, really well. I love his ability to turn and run with pretty much anybody. Um, he tested like absurdly good, especially like his long speed was a lot better than even I thought it would be. Um, but his short area quickness pops all over film, and I think he he would be great um, in this defense. I, try, I tried to tell him last week, Brett. Everyone called me a homo. I, Homer, I, I, I tried to tell him. They wouldn't listen. It, wait, is is Ryan not a long guy? I'm a. I'm not sure if I'm a long guy. <laughs> <laughs> I just said I liked him better than Justin Lane, and I got I got hell for it. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. I I can see that. I I like long better than Justin Lane. Lane oh. is Lane is still very raw to me. Yeah. Um. I think he's a guy that could develop into a really good player. I'm not sure really he plays year one. If the Lions ran more cover three, I, I could see it with Lane because. He's really he's good in press man, but he also has that like requisite length to be really good in in press cover three as well, which they're very similar. So um, not a ton of difference, but I I think Lane would fit this defense well too. I'm just not sure. Um, like I'm not taking him over Long, but if Long is gone, I'm I'm okay with with Lane in the second round. Julian Love is another guy, another corner that I really like in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch to be honest with you. There's a bunch of corners as far as like. Rec- oh, go ahead. I'm, sorry. Hedging, I'm just gonna say you're kind of hedging your bets right now. Like you were giving us one name last year. Now you're just throwing out a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Last year I felt like it was really specific. Like their, their need, what they needed and kind of like the trends of what Quinn likes. Yeah. There was very, there was like one or two guys to pick from really for each, each spot. So it was easier to nail. Yeah. And their their needs aren't really as pronounced this year. So they can, they can go in a lot of different directions. Yeah. That that happens when you're a little bit more aggressive of free agency, I guess. Yep. Um, For sure. So, like, wide receivers in, on day two, like, a day three guy that I don't think anybody's really talking about that I think the Lions are going to love and probably do love is Keelan Doss, small mm-hmm. school guy um, from Cal, uh, UC Davis. He, he kind of fits that height, weight, speed profile that, like, Galladay had coming out, and he's, uh, he's a much more refined route runner. I think that's a guy that is going to go way higher than, than most of, like, draft Twitter thinks. Um, especially because it's like a pretty loaded receiver class. So you wouldn't think a, a small school guy like Doss would creep into that day two mix, but I really do think he could be up there. I had a second round grade on Galladay when he was coming out and I wasn't wrong about that. So I'm going to trust my eyes with Doss <laughs> and say that he's uh 
he's um you know gonna go a lot higher than people thought. So Yep, Keelan right. Doss is my is my it would fit to add one more thing, it would fit such it would be such a Bob Quinn move. If you look at like his third and fourth round picks since he's been here, he's got Killebrew, Galladay, and Walker. So he really likes dipping into that small school That's territory. All three of those guys came from tiny little schools. Um Doss fits that fits that profile. I think sometimes these GMs they like they'd rather take the top guy from a, a smaller school than, you know, the tenth guy from a power five school. So and he's had varying degrees of success with that strategy so far. We're still obviously waiting on Tracy Walker, but they seem pretty excited about that pick. Yeah. Um, how about how about a late round prospect? Throw out throw out a name or two, maybe a, a day three guy um, that that maybe Lions fans aren't are familiar with, but but should be come draft day. Yeah, so I know everyone's eager for them to fill that right guard spot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of guys I think they could get on day three that could potentially start next year. Um, a guy I really like is uh, Phil Haynes. He's an SEC four-year starter. He, um, you know, he's hasn't played at like this elite level or anything, but he's got four years of really solid production. And when you watch him, there's just some things he does really well. Um, and he's pretty balanced, pretty good in the run game, and pretty good as a pass protector. Um, Ryan Bates. He played some tackle for Penn State last year. Tested as an athletic freak. I think he's another guy that they could get maybe on you know, early day three that could step in right away and play right guard. Let me see if there's a, um, there's some defensive linemen. I like, um, like a Rennell Wren, you know, he, he's an interior guy. Actually, I'm going to make one bold prediction. Ooh, love it. So when Patricia was in new England, they, uh, they drafted every Arkansas D lineman that came out, it seemed, whether it was Trey Flowers or Dietrich Rise or mm-hmm. um, Janio Grissom or whatever. I I really think that they're going to love Armand Watts from Arkansas this year. And okay. he he tested pretty well, really good production in college. I think he's a guy that PFF is actually higher on the most. Um, I think he is a guy. I'm I'm predicting right now that the Lions or Patriots come away with him in this draft, but I think I think it will be the Lions. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, we're going to finish off. Um, as, as Lions fans, we always have to prepare for the worst. So give me your nightmare scenario on draft day, whether it's the first round, second round, or, or whatever. The, the entire draft, what's your nightmare scenario for Detroit? So my, my nightmare scenario, 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 what is that? <laughs> my nightmare scenario is that they're not able to trade out of that eighth pick, mm-hmm. and everybody that they really like is already gone, and they end up taking – a flyer on a guy. I, I call it a flyer just because I don't like these players. But uh, Rashawn Gary or Montez Sweat or Ed Oliver, any of those three at eight is a, just an absolute nightmare to me. You think Montez Sweat is a nightmare? Like that? It's that big of a risk? What's What's the risk in taking Montez Sweat at eight? Um, I don't think he's very good. <laughs> okay. No, I, <laughs> no, I don't have. I don't think he's a high first round pick. I mean, he okay. he's got some technical issues. A lot of production, actually most of his production, especially rushing the passer in college, came against really bad offensive tackles, whether they're backups or small schools. He just beat up on them, which, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you would have liked to see him perform better against the top-tier tackles in the SEC. He just didn't really do it. And from a technical standpoint, a lot left to be desired. He has a really hard time cornering. Um, so, you know, he's got that six-six long-arm frame, and he still had a hard time getting around tackles um and i know he tested great he's also got like off the field you know character concerns i just think the lion i'm hoping they just steer clear of him so flip side though real quick dream scenario is it kyler murray falling to eight if i'm allowed if i'm allowed to say that absolutely cut his mic uh one one thing just to go to sweat really quick and also gloss over what you just said uh literally breaking news Montez sweat is not attending the nfl draft this year he's decided to watch it at home with his family really i don't know know if you want to read too much into that maybe he's sliding maybe he just wants to be with family but interesting development nonetheless yeah i'm gonna read into that you're gonna read into it i think so yeah i'm gonna read into it too and i'm just gonna think it's a way to prevent yourself from being embarrassed on draft night right Nobody yeah. wants nobody yeah. wants to be Johnny Manziel. It's true. Although Ragnall wasn't there last year, right? And he kind of knew he, he would be a first round pick. Yeah, but he probably just like 
fishing too much and just wanted to be fishing somewhere. True. <laughs> True. Yeah, that, that's a good uh, that's a good bit of breaking news, Jeremy. I, I definitely I'm reading into that. That's that's a good sign for for me. Yeah. Isn't it on the flip side, though, it, it could potentially be like bad news for the Lions, too, because then that means none of the teams that were above them at eight, like it kind of cuts cuts down the ability that maybe Josh Allen gets to them. Right. Like if, if one of those teams like all of a sudden became enamored with Montez Sweat for whatever reason. Yeah, I never really thought Sweat was going to go in the top 10. I, Gary is one, I think, if if someone's going to take a risk on a on an edge, like a really athletic edge, Gary's the guy that I think um, people would take the risk on. Like, I could yeah. totally see Gruden taking him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to have to cut it off there. Uh, Brett, appreciate you joining us. That's at PFF underscore Brett on Twitter. You, uh, you're not going to make a surprise appearance at our draft party, are you? Um, I will be there for day one, yes. Oh. Well, that's the only day we're throwing a draft party. So if you want to shake his hand, (laughs) be sure to come to our draft party. (laughs) Buffalo Wild Wings, downtown Detroit, 7 p.m. Be there. Uh, Brett, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. All right, coming up, our third surprise guest for our big mock draft, or not mock draft, just regular draft preview for the Detroit Lions on the POD cast. When we return. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we are back. Pride of Detroit. Draft preview episode. And we are here with our third surprise guest for our third and final segment. You probably haven't heard this voice on the podcast in a little bit. It's been a little while. It's been a while. Uh, He is one of our resident draft experts, I would say. Alex Reno joins us back on the podcast. Alex, good to hear your voice. Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm good Not for that one podcast a year. Okay. Yeah. During draft well, time. You've well, already met your quota then. Good job. <laughs> this is the <laughs> podcast to do it then, Alex. I'm so happy to have you back. It's nice I to hear a Ryan. familiar voice. I miss you too, bud. And I love you. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, Alex underscore Reno on Twitter, I think. I haven't had to say that in a while, so I'm not sure. Uh, it is. And then uh, POD underscore Reno for create a code on Fortnite if you're into that. Could use that too. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Uh, let's stop messing around. Uh, I'm just going to ask you the same questions I asked your our, our previous two guests. Let's start out with what you want. What do you want the Lions to do on draft day? And and you can take that all seven rounds. You can just go the first couple rounds. Throw out some names. Who you want the Lions to to draft next weekend? Okay. Uh, well, I well I have to wait to the for the podcast to hear what. Uh, Kent and Brad had to say, or can yes. I get a... No, no. Okay, See, we, we're doing this separate on purpose so that you guys don't influence each other. Uh, this okay. is essentially like a, a police in, in interrogation room. So That's we don't the want smart you thing to do. I respect yeah. that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So who do I want? I think I've done a million mocks, and I think the most ideal situation for me, and I've done this like a million times already on the Draft Network's uh, uh, mock draft, mm-hmm. and the ideal situation for me would be Brett or Burns in the first, okay, and Debo in the second, Ooh, and that okay. seems like it could happen. I personally think Debo should go a little higher, but in their quote-unquote realistic mock that they do, Debo's lasted till forty-three a lot of times. So hopefully that's the case. And I think that I would I would love to get a tight end early, but I think if you get Burns at eight, I think that Debo is way better value than any tight end in the second round. That seems like it would be a wildly popular draft in Detroit. I think so too. Can you let, let's talk about Debo first because we, we only touched on him bright, briefly with Brett, and we've talked, I think, endlessly about Brian Burns on this podcast for the past couple of weeks. What, what do you so. like about Debo, Debo, and and his fit specifically in Detroit? So Ken and I actually talked about him a little bit last night, and we disagree on one thing. And I believe that Debo can play in the slot and on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. 
he has some traits that are wildly successful in the NFL when you bring him over from college, and that's beating press, um, his quickness. Um, I think he is extremely good at beating press. I think he's extremely quick. I think he can play on the outside, kind of like an Antonio Brown where he just gets so open so fast. Um, I think he's a top three or four wide receiver in the draft personally. And mm-hmm. if he makes it all the way to 43, then I think that's a, that's an A-plus pick right there. Do you think he's just such a value for the Lions too, Alex, because of his ability to create separation when the Lions don't really have a player on their roster who can do that in the way that Debo can? Yeah, that's the thing too, is like after trading Golden Tate last year, I think the biggest reason why the passing offense was failing was because Tate was gone. It was because that we had nobody getting open real fast. I mean, you have Marvin Jones, who played a little bit last year, is great. Kenny Galladay, who was available most of the year, and they're they're great in their own right, but they're not exactly creating the most separation. You just kind of have to toss it up there and hope that they can grab it. And they do a lot of the times, but sometimes on like third down, you want a guy to get open right away, and that's what Debo's going to bring you. All right, let's uh, let's circle back to to Brian Burns a little bit. Um, what, where do you think his fit is specifically on this defense? Cause I think we already know what he can bring in terms of a pass rusher. Um, does he come in and immediately be Ziggy Ansa? Is he more of a rotational guy in his rookie year? What, what do you envision him being in Detroit if he's the pick over there at number eight? Yeah, I think he's a, I think he's a perfect fit for the Jack role and mm-hmm. just putting him right behind Trey Flowers. I said it right when we signed Trey Flowers, I'm like, Man, if we can draft Brian Burns to play directly behind Trey Flowers, I'm going to be the happiest person ever. Like, <laughs> that is just something I've been wanting for a long time. Um, I think he has the athleticism to drop back into coverage. He answered a lot of his questions at the combine. I'm sure Kent and Brett probably talked about this already, but I'll just say it anyway. Um, he was able to test well while putting on weight. He wants to get better at the point of attack. He wants to get better with his hands. He wants to get stronger. So I think people are also overrating his run defense concerns. I'm not a person that cares too much about run defense. I know the Lions do, so maybe he's not their top option, but I still think that he's better than people give him credit for against the run. Um, And then he's arguably the best pure pass rushing prospect out there right now, and that's where we struggled a lot last year. Um, I just want a pure pass rusher. I want somebody who can actually get to the quarterback. What makes him better at doing that than anybody? I mean, it, you're not alone in saying that he's the best pass, pure pass rusher. Brett was saying that a lot, and he said it's kind of a consensus. But, like, what yeah. me- makes him even better than that than, than, say, like Josh Allen, who I think most people consider a better overall prospect? Yeah, Josh Allen's great. Um, I think he's a better overall prospect, but that's because he's shown us some more in coverage. He's shown that he can do basically everything. Ryan Burns hasn't shown us everything yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Burns has better bend. And then he can do a little more as a pass rusher than Josh Allen can do, even when he hits a ceiling. Um, Burns is a little more refined as a pass rusher, too. He's got some better pass rushing moves. He can beat you with the spin. He can beat you with a variety of moves. So I think he's just got that higher ceiling than everybody. He might not be there completely, but I think he can get there. Are you at all concerned because there has seemed to have been some Brian Burns slander on Twitter over the past week and specifically a clip that keeps on keeps on popping up on my timeline of him getting washed out by a a small school tackle? Yeah, uh, I'm not. I mean, again, um, he put on some extra pounds. We, we haven't seen him become a great run defender um that's because he was playing at 230 we haven't really seen what he can do with the added weight that he's put on so that's definitely still a question mark um but i'm not going to completely knock him for it because he's done what he's had to do post um post combine or pre-combine or whatever to get to the combine at 249 and i'm just excited like hopefully we draft him hopefully we can see what he can do with that weight um i'm just excited to see what he can do because I think he's doing all the things necessary to get stronger. Um, can't really hate him on or hate on him for getting washed away by a bigger tackle at two thirty. That's not a whole lot you can do there. And it's just one rep, right? Right. Whatever. So, well, let let's let's transition to let's transition from what you want the Lions to do in the first 
couple days. I mean, you talk about Brian Burns, you talk about Debo Samuel, both guys that I also really like for the Lions as well. But let's transition to what you think the Lions are going to do. Yeah, so that's I do think that's going to be a lot different. And I'm I can't wait to hear what Brett and Kent has to say about this one because I think I think the plan all along, like my gut feeling is the plan all along was to sign some young defensive players and free agency, some guys that kind of know the scheme a little bit, get them on long-term deals, guys who are already experienced and pretty good at what they do. Um, Trey Flowers, Justin Coleman. Trey Flowers, Justin Coleman, yep. And I think the plan is going to be to get some offensive playmakers in the draft. Honestly, I think they could – I think they're going either offensive line or offensive playmaker in the first round. A lot of people are going to be mad about that, but I think – I just have this gut feeling that it's going to be either Hawk, Fant, Metcalf, Jonah Williams, one of the other offensive linemen. I think, I think the Lions are going to fall in love with Jonah Williams as a prospect. He's super prepared, great interviewer, great PFF grade, just great production. Not the best athlete. I just, I just feel like Bob Quinn's not going to care a whole lot about that. So, yeah, um, I mean, he did pull up that interesting quote uh, on on Thursday when he said. You know, obviously you have to, to balance athleticism and, and tape. But uh, if, if I were to lean one way, it's probably a little bit more towards the tape and production. I mean, yep. Look at the Tease Tabor pick. Yeah, that's when I tweeted out that quote, I got about 500 mentions that just said the word Tease Tabor. Yeah. And that's that's all good and fine. I mean, maybe I, I would say that pick might turn out better than the Tease Tabor pick. Um, but I would hope so. it's just not my favorite. And I currently have Jonah Williams as my fourth ranked offensive lineman prospect behind Dillard, Jawan Taylor, and even Chris Lindstrom, who people are talking about as a second round pick. So is, is the reasoning for that just the athleticism, just the measurables? Uh, it has a lot to do with it. I also think that arm length is pretty important when judging offensive tackles. Some people are kind of brushing it off to the side, but I do think it is pretty important. Okay. This is interesting. We, we've essentially now gotten three completely different answers for what we think the lines are going to do with the first round pick. And nice. that gets me very excited because, I mean, I, I view it as a very unpredictable first round for the Lions, and, and obviously I think everyone else does at this point, too. Yeah, I'm right, though. Okay. <laughs> um, where, where do they go after that first round pick? See, that's a tough one. That, I haven't yeah. even put a whole lot of thought into that one for what I think we're going to do. So I guess if we go offensive playmaker, or uh, offensive line. So if we go offensive line, then we could also go offensive playmaker in the second round and vice versa. Um, I'm hoping one of the top corners are available. I think if somebody like Oruwari is available, which I don't think he is going to be, I think the Lions are going to value him a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think they would probably take somebody like him there, um, a Julian Love, a Justin Lane. Um, I think, missing I do anybody? think they, sorry? Are you missing anybody? David Long. Oh, okay, okay, cool. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, if one of the athletic tight ends are available, and one of the wider, if they did take a wide receiver in the first, and not a whole lot of good options are there in the second, they could go tight end. Um. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's what I'm thinking. All right. Well, let's move to like late day two, early day three. Give me some late round prospects that you like, especially uh, in terms of their fit with the Lions. Oh man, I didn't prepare for that one. Uh, uh, that's a good question. I mean, w- you do have an article kind of on that topic. You could you could dip a little bit into that if you need to. Well, that's less day two and more day three because a lot of them are FCS players who are just not going to be taken that early. But um, wide receivers, I like Stanley Morgan Jr. a lot out of Nebraska. Um, I think he's another guy who can play the slot. Get open really early. Very crisp route runner. Um, Annie Isabella is probably going to be there. Super fast. Um, I think we need a guy like him to blow the top off of the offense or defense. <laughs> um, it's been a while, all right. It, it you <laughs> did say spin a while. It's been a so. while. <laughs> um, Foster Moreau is a guy that you like a lot. Athletic yep. tight end. I think he could possibly be there in the third round. Um, Dawson Knox, Jay Sternberger. I think we definitely need to go uh, athletic tight end for sure. I think even if Irv Smith Jr. is there in the second round, probably not a guy I want to take. Maybe in the third round might be where his value is. 
But I think I do agree with Kent on Irv Smith Jr. where a lot, when you look at the RAS or the athletic ability of a lot of tight ends, um, not a lot of the all-pro type tight ends are less athletic, like around the 5.0 or less RAS range. So kind of with them there. Um, if you're going edge, I don't think there's a whole lot of guys available after the second round that I like. Um, if Zach Allen's there, I think he's a great fit for the defense, but I think a lot of people are saying he's going to go a little higher. Not crazy about O'Shane Zimenez, who people like a lot in the third round. I think he's just a little too unathletic for me. Probably not going to take a linebacker at all uh, if, we're, <laughs> if we're talking about after the second round, unless we're going later rounds and just we're talking about great athlete, super raw. Um, corners. Before you get to corners really quick. Okay. You mentioned, you know, linebacker class isn't very good. Edge isn't that deep once you get past the first two rounds. Do you think that increases the likelihood that maybe they go in that direction early in the draft? Corner? No, linebacker linebacker, linebacker or or edge. Because, I mean, we we haven't talked this entire podcast about the the Devons. Um, Yeah. Do you think that's at all a realistic possibility, either one of those guys at eight? Yeah, they're in a really weird range where I just feel like we're not going to be in that range. Um, we would mm-hmm. have to trade down, maybe trade up from the second back into the first. I think I like Devin Bush a little more than White. I think both should go around 20s, maybe mid-teens, but I think Devin White definitely will go a little earlier. I mean, we've ta- we've or I've been seeing him talked as early as pick five to the Buccaneers. Yeah. I think that's a very widely popular pick for him. I just, I, that would be great. I hope he is gone by the fifth pick and we don't have to worry about it. But um, so Devin White's probably going to be gone no matter what, I'm thinking. And that leaves Devin Bush and Blake Cashman as the only two really draftable guys in the first two or three rounds for me. Um, and Cashman's probably going to go somewhere in the second round. Hopefully, if if he's available at pick 43, even I would be okay with it. I would be pretty happy. I think he's. That good of a player, Devin Bush. Yeah, I think we'd have to trade down or trade up for him. All right, let's uh, let's finish this off with the the worst case scenario for you on draft day. And and again, you can you can either focus in on the first round pick or, or just maybe the overall draft strategy or, or whatever. What what's your nightmare scenario where you're just crying into a pitcher of beer at Buffalo Wild Wings? Uh, I think I'm I'm gonna cheat a little here because I don't really think this is gonna happen. Okay. But I think worst case scenario would be like really reaching for an edge, uh, an edge prospect at number eight or in the first round and take a guy like Cleland Farrell, a guy who we haven't even like heard mock to us in a really long time. Yeah. Um, that would probably be my worst case scenario where I'm maybe even literally crying because I'd be <laughs> so mad with that pick. Um, <laughs> Where where do you fall on Rashawn Gary? Because I feel like he's one of the most polarizing guys. That's actually another name. I was actually going to combine Cleveland Farrell with Rashawn okay. Gary because I think I would be not not as upset because I think that Gary has a way higher ceiling than right. uh, Farrell, but he's just almost as raw as it gets, really, as a pass rusher especially. Um, I think, yeah, if we took him at 8-2, I'd be pretty upset um, going into day two there. Just thinking about it right now. You just can't stand Michigan. Beside myself, thinking. <laughs> hey, I would. I like Chase Winovich more than Rashawn Gary. I don't know You're, if that's a hot take, but I would I take him PFF before I actually, take Rashawn Gary. Yeah, I think PFF agrees with you. And and Brett briefly mentioned the possibility of the Lions maybe trading down and and potentially picking up Chase in in the middle middle of that first round and not being upset with it. It's funny you say that because I have him 18th on my big board. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Right above right. TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> okay. Man, we got we didn't get a lot of tight end talk today in the first round. No, we didn't, but what was interesting was how Brett quipped and said the tight ends have kind of done a little bit to let him down. Yeah, you know he's, I mean? he's not that impressed with this class. Yeah, I remember he got a hold of me, told me he had just watched TJ Hawkinson for the first time and he said, "Yeah, I'm 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 okay with him at 8." And then we talked about two weeks later, 
He's like, yeah, I'm not okay with him at eight at all. He's, he's <laughs> not he's not as good of a blocker as people are saying, yada, yada. And I'm like, you know what? I, I agree with you. That And that's the kind of thing. Like, Hawkinson has really earned, uh, gotten this reputation. I shouldn't say earned, but he's gotten this reputation that he's a great catcher, a pretty good route runner, and an outstanding blocker. But I've, I'm starting to see a little bit of pushback on that. And I, I've... Like like anyone, you see one clip of someone, you're like, oh, maybe he's not that good, and and you probably overreact to one clip or two, like we like we were referencing earlier. But uh, the I, I just I see it become more and more of a consensus that like Hawkinson is good at a lot of things, but I don't know if he's great at anything. Yeah, that's very true. Um, also, uh, what was I going to say? Sorry, I'm getting a little off track now. Um, that's what we do on the POD cast. Yeah. Crap. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, yeah, go well, ahead. Uh, let's let's just kind of wrap this up. What what are you hoping for on draft day this weekend or next weekend or whenever you're listening to it? The weekend of the draft. What what's the one thing you, you're hoping for? Hey, I'm hoping to have a really good time Thursday night. Hang out with a lot of Lions fans. <laughs> get really drunk, um, <laughs> and then if the Lions take. Burns or somebody I really like, then hey, I'm just gonna pants off situation. I'm gonna have a great time. <laughs> that's all no, I want. No, that's perfect. That's a perfect way to once again beat into our our listeners' heads that draft party this Thursday downtown Detroit Buffalo Wild Wings, the second floor of that place. We're gonna have it all to ourselves. There's gonna be prizes. There's gonna be games. There's gonna be trivia. Everyone you've heard on this podcast today is going to be there, except and for Jeremy. myself. Nope. I'm going to be working uh, and and being spiteful of all of you guys having a good time, but I'll be having my own good time. I'm where I, I've recently learned that, that I'm going to be catered. So that's all that you need to do to make me happy. So uh, any parting words, anybody left? Anybody left? What do you mean? I don't know. Any of you guys have anything left interesting or provocative to say? Um, I hope the lions draft a quarterback on day two. I hate you. All right, that's going to do it for the Friday Detroit <laughs> podcast. Thank you for listening. We're going to do some midweek podcasts, I think, uh, next week. After after maybe each round of the draft, each day of the draft, we'll see. But uh, stay tuned for that, and uh, we'll have some other fun stuff next week as well. PrideDetroit.com. Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Brian Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday. So go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side.